What up? This is episode 94 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. Here is my appearance on the Johnny Rocket Launchpad with Johnny Adams and the lovely Sherry Voluntary. Although she hates getting called lovely because that's just the cliched thing that people say when they have a female co-host. The lovely. How cliche. Well, she is lovely. Unfortunately for her, but she's also quite cheeky. I hope you'll enjoy this show. I loved the quick fire questions round. If this is worth it for anything, it's worth listening to for that, and I know you'll get a lot out of it. Enjoy. They can bribe those people to vote for them by giving more handouts. So this just basically comes down to incentives. You're talking about the incentive to work. There's also a disincentive for the government to cure poverty. If the problem of poverty gets solved, the need for government goes down and down and down. People commit less crimes. Okay, well then we need less need for the police force, etc, etc, etc. Oh, we don't have people, we don't have poor people who have got no choice but to go into the military. Oh, well then we need to have a more humble foreign policy. The end of poverty is the end of many of the functions which the state fulfills. So the state is always going to be incentivized not to allow poverty to be abolished. Information is free. The law The Johnny Rocket Launchpad. And now, here's Johnny! Johnny Rocket Launchpad always launching ideas in your direction. America's only rock and roll libertarian radio show. And I'm here with my new and beautiful co-host for this show. She's a homeschooling mom of two, a public speaker, dumpster fire starter, dissonant, unapologetic, voluntarist host of Speaking Freely on 92.3 FM and AM 760 in Knoxville, Tennessee. I welcome here on the Launchpad... Give it up for Sherry Voluntary. Hello. Yeah. How are you tonight? Good. Sherry, how are you? I'm wonderful. All Just right. got off the air. Oh, yeah. Did you? How, how did your show go? It was great. We talked about police abuse and other things. <laughs> so, you know what's really cool? Is I, I did want to talk to you about this because I think it's really cool. You're like one of the very few libertarians that I know who is actually on like a real FM, AM syndicated real radio like you're really on radio people can actually go to their fm dial and get to hear sherry voluntary every day yes is it every day spew my anarchy yeah Uh, it's every uh, weekday yes 6 30 to 8 eastern standard time so how about internet uh yes so there is an app on our website that you can go and download and listen anywhere in the world when we're on air and then uh we also have facebook you know, so do you have your own Facebook page for you? Yes. And where can they find that? Mine is Sherry Voluntary, uh, but we have the Speaking Freely show page as well. Very cool. Very cool. And Sherry, I, I've heard I've heard of you. You're kind of a legend in libertarian circles. And uh, <laughs> so I figured, you know, I get to know you and, and you're just a cool chick, you know, and it's it's such an honor for you Thanks. to be here. 
It really is cool. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I know I'm excited. I love your podcast. You've got like, you know, you've got your shit together. So it's nice. I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm, you're like the first person who's ever said that. Usually it's like, Johnny, just stay <laughs> the fuck away from the radio. Just stay away. <laughs> you're pissing people off. What are okay. you doing? And it's like, I'm a libertarian. And they're like, okay, yeah. Okay. Another yeah. one of those shows. Touch that dial. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, I tell people I'm a libertarian. They're like, oh, so you're a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, no, I never said oh, that. No. They always like lump me in with Alex Jones or some bullshit. Right. There's a few of us out there like that though. So. Oh, there, there is. There is. And yeah, there is a few. Anyway, so we have a really cool guest. And what was interesting is you know, we were talking and I was like, Sherry, why don't you be a co-host with me on the launch pad? And she's like, yeah, yeah. So I told her the name because I'm not going to introduce the individual yet. And she's like, I just had him on mine. So I'm thinking great minds think alike. And this is a really, I'm really honored to have this guest here. I've heard of him on the Tom Woods show. He's been on there a few times. So this individual is a therapist, libertarian, He's a passionate economics yes. writer, which is right up. I, I love economics. That's like the coolest thing ever. Uh, this individual is a member of the Scottish Libertarian Party. He's a co-host on the Scottish Liberty Podcast. And he also writes articles for the rationalrise.com. And he is also uh, doing a podcast called Be Yourself and Love It. And you can find his new ebook called Procrastination and Annihilation. You can find that at beyourselfandloveit.com forward slash do it i welcome here on the launch pad give it up for anthony samurai yeah. <laughs> anthony how the fuck are you sir fucking phenomenal after a intro like that i better be on form tonight because yeah. it's it's midnight scotland time and uh, i i bet clearly my reputation precedes me so uh, i better live up to it because people have People have been saying lots of nice things about me, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. They'll start to think at home that I'm some kind of decent person. <laughs> uh, In real you know, life, you're I've like, you drink a lot, you smoke a lot, you do all the bad shit, but then everyone thinks you're well, cool. someone has to have fun. Yeah. You know? Libertarians can be a little bit stiff upper lip, so That's right. I need to, to be bringing it back with you, rock and roll style. So glad to be on the Johnny Rocket podcast. I feel extraordinarily privileged. I, I love your passion, and uh, whenever you speak, I just, I don't know, I want to run around and just be in a good mood. You you bring such positive energy to libertarianism. <laughs> well, that's what liberty's about, man. It's about freedom. Go ahead, Cher. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you make what people want to, you know, act like the ADHD kid in the class who can't sit still. You just have to get up and move. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and those psychiatrists used to, uh, like, accuse me of, like, oh, I think you have ADHD, and I probably do, but... um. And this is why I drink, just to kind of even myself out, because if I'm not, I'm just spinning out of control. <laughs> well, as long as you're being yourself and loving it. I am. I'm loving it, like a McDonald's commercial. Yeah. yeah you can love yourself and be it. I, I like to do that, too. <laughs> there you go. There you have it. So but don't take that into don't take that into your search engine because you won't find my website if you put it in the order. <laughs> That's a totally different website, and I'm not on that yeah. one. <laughs> Anthony, I have a question for you, sir. Go just for to it. start this off, so you're a passionate economics writer, right? What got you into that? I mean, that's not like a a, a thing that most people just get into. Like, what led you on this journey? Oh, I'm so glad that you said that. Well, I guess I got into being a libertarian through being interested in politics and interested in the truth 
And I had a migration from being, I guess, a progressive to being a libertarian. And I learned most of what I knew about economics from podcasts. And when I started reading the books instead of just listening to material that libertarians were recommending for people to get into libertarianism, I was like, seriously, the only people who would like to read these books are people who are already libertarians and complete geeks. Someone has to, <laughs> someone has to come along and write about this stuff for regular people. Put some humor in for crying out loud. You know, talk in regular language. And I couldn't believe that there was a need to write the first articles I started writing. I couldn't believe someone hadn't done it already. I had a certain advantage in the fact that I, I'd reviewed about 150 plays. So I'd learn how to, let's say, when you, when you go and see a play, there might be tons of things you want to comment on, but you've only got like 180 to 250 words. So you get really good at saying a lot of stuff in very few words. And that really served me as an economics writer because I don't like to just see a issue from one angle. Like, I hate it when you see a libertarian article on the minimum wage and they just make three arguments and the arguments that everyone's heard before and the people reading it will automatically dismiss them if they're not already libertarians. I like to take an issue like that and try and include as many arguments as possible and evidences of why and do it in a casual tone like I'm chatting to you right now. Explain it nice and simple. And uh, that's why I started writing, not because I had a sudden urge, but just because when I started reading books, I was like, I think, you know, these are great thinkers, but I think I could communicate these ideas in a more down-to-earth way. And since I was previously on the left, I thought I could write them as though I was speaking to my younger self and condense, you know, five to ten years of learning on a subject into one article. And that way... I'd give people a shortcut to arriving at my knowledge, not just by addressing an issue from one angle, but as many angles as I possibly could, so that when someone finished reading the article, they'd be like, yeah, I really understand that. Like, I'm feeling that. Like, I, I think I understand that fully. I don't just have a gist of it. So that's what inspired me. Like, I, I saw a gap and I wanted to fill it. And it gives me hope that you were a progressive and that you've come, you know, so far and are like a really solid libertarian now. Um, so do you think that that's something that you can bring to, say, the movement is to be able to talk to the left? Well, I certainly hope so. I think most of my writing is to the left. Like there's many libertarians come from the left and many come from the right. I mean, we all come from somewhere because it's not exactly like you get exposed to these views in school. So like someone like Tom Woods, he was a conservative. Mm -hmm. He's still a conservative libertarian, I would say. But he, he specializes in selling ideas on foreign policy and libertarian ideas to the right because he knows them inside out because he's been one. I know how someone that's left of center, don't get me wrong, I was never a communist. I always believed in a mixed economy. Like I was for capitalism but i thought mm -hmm. it had to be heavily regulated and we needed all these uh, yeah, uh, you know yeah. and all, all these things so so i wanted the government to make capitalism more fair i wasn't anti-capitalist as such but i i really understand the world from seeing from that point of view and that helped me because sometimes i'd read libertarian articles and i'd think this isn't going to reach 
someone that's like me where I was before because if I was that person reading through this, I'd be like, yeah, but you're not considering this and you, you're not considering that and you're not considering that. So I dismiss that article. But because I know all of the bouncers that people who were like me have in their heads, when I make an argument, I can say afterwards, and you might be thinking that, does, that argument doesn't work because X, but actually Y. And if you think N, then actually here's another thing that, that you... So I can speak to my younger self in my articles and bring them round to my position, hopefully. And if anyone wants to see all my writing, yes, you can go on The Rational Rise. You can also go directly to my blog, which is seeingnotseen.blogspot.com. But yeah, all of my blogs are syndicated on The Rational Rise. So whenever I write a blog, it automatically gets posted to their website and actualanarchy.com. So those my my stuff is all republished on the rational rise and actual anarchy. Anthony, really quick, man, and I I think it's great because I you're about to say the n word, and I was going to stop you on this show. I was kidding, but uh, <laughs> no, oh. you said you said if neocon, <laughs> yeah, neo confederate. <laughs> all right. Oh, oh yes, neo confederate. Oh. I was uh, okay. That's pretty no. funny. I, I never saw that one coming. Actually, so like what I was gonna say is, though, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of opportunities for libertarians to actually reach over to the left. And I, I know uh, there's guys like Robin Kerner, and you know, maybe I'm wrong. I, mm -hmm. I said, you know, I could be wrong, but I was thinking about it for a while. And then, you know, you bring up these ideas of government, and, and you know, and, and we don't want the government, but. I think that the left are so sold on the ideas that there has to be a safety net. There's got to be, uh, I, you know, there's right. got to be bureaucracies and who will, what about the children? You know, and if you, you know, you want, you don't want rules and regulations and you think child labor is okay. As long as it's voluntary, you hate kids and right. you want to kill dogs <laughs> and you want to, just you want the environment to die and you just want you know because you you're a greedy and son of a bitch and kids dying in the street <laughs> exactly that's a great night yeah uh but what i'm saying is i just don't think it's really i think it's harder to talk to the left about libertarianism than it is to the right i think the right kind of gets it they like we want limited government your libertarians are a little weird but we're kind of still going in the same direction of limited government and we want no government but they're still we're kind of still cool with the left they just fucking hate us <laughs> i don't know that's what i've experienced well some of them do some of them do it and it depends the further left the, they are the the more grievances they have with us but it's because you need to speak to the left differently than the right the left believe they're all about compassion they hate oppression and Obviously, they're they're big on equality as well. So one thing is, it's important to show the compassionate face of libertarianism and yeah. talk about liber libertarian policies that help the poor. Like soon, I'm putting out an, a book called Universal Basic Income for and Against. And in that book, half of the book, well, a third of the book is dedicated to libertarian policies that would help the poor. And I do that because I know who it's mm -hmm. aimed at. It's aimed at the left. But uh, you're, you're right in that a certain kind of argue, libertarian argument really doesn't work with the left. It might work with the right, but it doesn't work with the left. And that's, well, it's the use of force, therefore it's wrong. And they're like, well, no, because in their opinion, 
if the use of force re results in less suffering than not using force, they're not necessarily against it. They're like, well, yeah, but the alternative is kids dying on the street. So I'd rather initiate a lot of force and not have those kids die than forswear force. So when you're speaking to leftists, it's, it's really about knowing what their values are. So I said one of the things they really hate is oppression. So if you can demonstrate the way that the government plays into the hands of big business or oppressors, they're more likely to be listening to you. So for example, here's a fact that I always like to cite. According to the Sunlight Foundation, a non-partisan, non-profit organization that aims to make the government more accountable and transparent, for every $5.8 billion spent by America's 200 most politically active corporations between 2007 and 2012 on federal lobbying and campaign contributions, they got $741 back in return in kickbacks and benefits. And that just goes to show that the government is not a referee in the market. It's not there to make things fair. It serves the big boys. And the other problem with that is it poses a tremendous threat. Because if I've got a business and for every $1 I spend lobbying, I get $741 back, then I'm not going to be focused on serving my customers primarily unless I can get $742 for every dollar I spent serving my customers. Now, I don't know if you've ever known anyone who runs a business, but anyone would be uh, rubbing their hands in glee if every $1 they spent on their business, they got $741 back just by selling products. So having a government is a corrupting factor in the economy because when companies can get more back from lobbying the government, the government becomes their client. They spend less on innovation. They spend less on developing their products. They spend less on advertising. They spend more on lobbying the government. So that these kinds of arguments will appeal more to the left if you, if you want to take their interest. You know, to, talk about how government is a corrupting factor. Actually, then you might be able to find some common grounds. Yeah, I, I, what you're talking about really. It brings to mind, you know, one of my favorite books, which is uh, The Righteous Mind by Jonathan yeah. Haidt. And you know, the, the subtitle of that is Why Good People Disagree About Religion and Politics. And that really is true when you when you know where someone's coming from, you can sort of use that to your advantage to speak to them in a way that they'll understand. And I think that's really what you're getting at is that, you know, that com yeah. compassion is their moral foundation. And we have to to show them where their policies really aren't compassionate uh, as much as they are just, you know, whatever their agenda is. And the right does it as well. But we can talk to them in terms that show how libertarianism actually is the most compassionate because it protects individuals. We care about the individual and, and they're the greatest minority, as Ayn Rand said. So, you know, we, we, we have the ability to do that if we can communicate that libertarian uh, principles to them. I, I don't care about people. I don't. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but I mean. <laughs> you're just uh, you're just lighting, lighting cigars with $100 right. bills that you got by exploiting children in sweatshops in Indonesia That's and right. Bangladesh. That, you know, it's funny, though. It's like, I'm broke, you know, and I, I always tell people, I'm broke. I don't make shit for money. 
I make enough to live, you know. I don't I can't go out and buy anything that I really want. I have to save for it. I know it sucks. <laughs> but I mean, I actually have to save for things like I really want that stereo. Oh damn. I can't go out this week. Um but this is what I think. It's a good thing. But you know yes, what, sir? Johnny? If only there was if only there was a centralized body with like all the guns and the monopoly over the use of force, then maybe they could reallocate some money to the castle. Right. So I mean, buy that but Cadillac. you know what's fucking funny though? I mean, it's gotten to the point now in in the United States that there are a lot of people who do just fine being on government oh, yeah. programs, and sure. and they don't even have to work. And I'm out there every day busting my ass, and. You know, there is no incentive for right. people to work. That's what I noticed. Like, there really isn't as right. much of an incentive to work. Whereas, if we didn't have any safety nets and we had privatized charities, those charities would allocate those resources more efficiently than a government yeah. program. Sure. And what I'm saying is, everyone would be working and everyone would be hustling and everyone would be doing their best to make a dollar and not get fired and actually do their best. And because either, you know, it's kind of like your life or your leg. You have to actually work. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I hear right. you. I just think that the government takes the incentive out of creating value. When, because a charity has limited resources, they don't have the infinite purse strings of the, of the public's pocket. They, can't, they will not just go, well, to a poor person, here's your check, like, go on, do whatever you want with it. They'll be like, well, what are your needs? Like, do they need drug counseling? Do they need... Um, some communication skills to be able to get a job. Do they need skills? Can they provide training to the people that they're trying to help so that those people can become self-sufficient? Or can they say, yes, we're more than happy to give you some money, but in return, you need to volunteer and do this and this and this. And by doing that, you'll meet people and you get some experience. You'll get something on your resume and then we can get you a job. Because the charity is going to want to get people off the rolls as quickly as possible so they can move on and serve the next people who are in need. Now, one of the ways uh, the, the government differs from that is public officials don't really benefit from getting people off the welfare rolls because the welfare ro rolls are a bunch of voters who are, you know, who they don't want not to vote for them. They actually do incentivize people to stay on it as well because if you actually start to work, um, and you're not making that much money yet. You, they, they cut your funding, and then you're worse off than you were. So, yeah, you fall off the welfare cliff. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Really interesting stuff, guys. Anyway, so Johnny Rocket here at the launch pad, always launching ideas. And guess what? I'm here with Sherry Voluntary. You can hear her on Speaking Freely at 92.3 FM and AM 760 in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I'm also talking to our guest, Anthony Samaroff. And again, you can find his free ebook, Procrastination and Annihilation. You can find that at beyourselfandloveit.com forward slash do it. Anyways, it's Johnny Rocket. And sir, we got more questions for you. So don't leave yet. Anyways, it's Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas. And we'll be right back. Rock and roll. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad. And now, Johnny Rocket here at the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Always launching ideas in your direction. America's only rock and roll libertarian radio show. And I'm here with my co-host, Miss Sherry Voluntary. Yeah. Bam. And we're talking to our guest, Anthony Samaroff. 
Awesome shit. Awesome shit, man. And I'm really happy that you're here on the show. And anyway, so what we do here on Rocket Fires, sirs, I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. These questions will be politically or economically related. And if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, I'd be badass. Anthony, are you ready to play Rocket Fire? I'm ready to play. All right. Question one. If capitalism rewards only people with ability, how can those who can't compete be rewarded? Well, in a, under a capitalist system, there's always an uh, incentive for employers to have their employees well-trained so they can make more money. So those who aren't capable can get a low-wage job and learn skills on the job, change to another job, do the same thing until they're so skilled that they can get a higher-paying job or create their own job or start a business. And there's the maximum number of jobs on a free market because there's so few or no labor regulations. Bam! Great fucking answer, dude. Great answer. Question two. How could the free markets actually protect the environment more than government regulation? Watch my YouTube video, Only Capitalism Can Save the Planet, Socialism Will Destroy the Earth. Well, no, actually, because property rights, you're not allowed to damage other people's persons or property. And so you can be forced to compensate people for polluting what would currently be considered public resources. If, if you pollute the river, you're you're obliged to return it to its original condition and pay a fine under the free market. Or your dick. Or, well, yeah. Question three. What are some important aspects that distinguish capitalism from other economic systems? The private property and the voluntary exchange of goods and services are what defines the capitalist system. Uh, under socialism, the means of production are considered to be owned in common and that's the primary distinction right on man question four what do you think of people who reject the idea of free markets they are badly informed about history and <laughs> economics and don't know what they're talking about That's they, a nice way of saying they, you're fucking moron. They want everyone to starve to death, basically, because whenever the free people have tried to abolish the free market, there's been famines. So let's not try that again, please. Yeah, I agree. Question five. Do you think capitalism will remain the dominant economic system? And if so, why? Oh, is it even the dominant economic system now? I would say uh, we have a very socialized version of capitalism, a, a large percent of spending is public spending and the whole of the market is regulated and the currency is issued by uh, the government through central banks. So that's not really uh, fundamentally capitalist. So if things go in this direction, it's going to get worse and worse until people realize that the government's making it worse, not better. And then maybe things will start to get more free market orientated. The only thing saving our asses right now is the speed at which technology is advancing. Because if it had advanced slower, then we'd be getting poorer with this much of a growth in government instead of richer. Right on, man. Right on. Question six. What do you think turns people off, though, when you say the word free markets? What, what, what's the trigger? Because that's the problem. I mean, I, I use that term free markets and people just get like, oh, that's disgusting. Right. Because people think, <laughs> people think a, that people are just going to sell faulty products that kill people and not have any concern for killing their own customers. And what's more, they have an idea that capitalism is all about greed and socialism is all about. But the, the thing about capitalism is it forces otherwise greedy, so-called greedy people 
to position their greed towards public ends because if you don't produce something that other people actually want you don't profit under capitalism so it forces people to act socially in the interests of others right on man question seven what do you think of bitcoin is it a viable currency or do you believe in like a commodity like gold or silver Uh, all of the above i think that people should be able to trade with whatever currency they want and the free market will sort out which currencies are useful uh, to which ones aren't i'm not going to say what the best one is because i'm not into central planning even if i'm the central planner (laughs) right question eight what do you think is the worst type of tyranny Ooh, the tyranny within each of us every one of us has a state within us that oppresses us and stops the freedom of the movements of our soul within our being i'm not going to say that there is not an external enemy because there is one but the external enemy is a reflection of the inner enemy within each of us and the more we sort ourselves out and become free we be ourselves and love it we follow our passions the less need there will be for the state <laughs> to reflect our inner chaos bam good answer dude holy shit that was deep <laughs> that was deep shit man <laughs> that was some deep shit bro all right question nine what do you think are the different types of uh, liberty individualist liberty i guess is the only kind of liberty because the individual is the only unit that exists well it's the fundamental unit from which other units are built from so if you get individual liberty all other liberties are a species of that or they evolve from that bam dude you're good thanks actually i'm glad we're recording this (laughs) question 10 what could be the dangers of democracy oh how long have you got well, the problem with democracy is there's all it's bribocracy. There's always an incentive to bribe voters with other people's money for a bigger government. There's not much to vote for when for someone who says, "Well, I'm going to give you nothing." And um, so, democracy inherently tends towards the growth of the state because of the incentives inherent in it. Okay, and I got a bonus question just because I can because cool. I'm it's my fucking show. <laughs> Uh, do you think that we should have any limit on liberty whatsoever? Mm, that's an interesting question. Yeah, my liberty to swing my hand ends where your face begins. Do you know what I mean? So we have the liberty not to aggress on other people's person or their property, not to defraud them and not to bear false witness, not to uh, harm them or give them legal consequences by telling falsehoods so there are some limits to our liberty there should be bam and that's rocket fire give it up for anthony samurai <laughs> great fucking answers man great answer thank you i i almost impressed myself yeah <laughs> you sound you sound like you've read like a book or something <laughs> yeah like those things that like sit on your shelf i was uh telling sherry i look like a philadelphia lawyer because i have a bookshelf and I haven't opened a goddamn one of them, you know? So, But I look cool, you know? Like, oh, my God, you must read a lot. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. And I've really, like, read, like, four. Yeah. So that's Anthony it. Anthony got him some of that book learning. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That book learning. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a nice way of saying that I'm a complete and utter geek? <laughs> You're the right kind of geek, though. You're a liberty geek, so that's good. Okay. That's good. Okay, that's kind of like the the um, icing on the cake that's got a bit of poop in it. 
<laughs> I'm taking the compliment. I'm taking the compliment. I'm going to run with Great. that. Uh, take it, dude. Just take it. Walk it. Take it home. Put it in your bed. Go to sleep. You'll feel better. All right. So, Sherry, you had some things you wanted to talk to Anthony yeah, about. Yeah. So, um, I have your book, Popular Misconceptions About Capitalism, debunked. Oh, and, yes. Uh, it's a great book. And, and I love, you know, what you were talking about with the left. Um, these are often things that questions that come up with the left, especially about capitalism and even with people on the right, because they don't understand economics. And so uh, you have this book laid out in such a way where you have the misconceptions in one column and then the facts that, you know, tell the truth about it in another. And uh, I just, you know, this book is I, I I love it. I just think that it can really help us um, do those quick answers and the the pared down answers for exactly what people are afraid of because people are afraid right. of capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any any thoughts on like capitalism itself and how uh, we can talk about it in that way to to get people to understand it and not be afraid of it? Yeah, I mean, the reason why I wrote that book is because if you've been on Facebook for a long time and you're a libertarian, mm -hmm. you get annoyed at people making the same arguments over and over again. So I started collecting my responses to the most popular arguments. And I thought it would be great to put a little book together so that when other people get in Facebook debates, if someone comes up with one of those arguments, they can just copy and paste my answer and then once the person they're debating responds to my answer, they can have a more meaningful discussion with that person instead of having to, you know, it, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be much fun to you if you were a physics professor and someone came up to you and said, the law of gravity is like bullshit because helium balloons go up. So obviously you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, so I've taken those arguments that libertarians hear over and over again and given you ready-made answers that you can copy and paste so that once you people have objected to that answer, you can maybe say something that you've not you can maybe answer an objection that you've not had a million times before. Yeah, we need we need one that's Marodes. That's the next book you need to write. <laughs> well, I mean to do a second edition of that at some point, but you know I've got so many unfinished projects at the moment. I'm just trying to prioritize <laughs> them because there's a there's a few things that I didn't include. Like, what about monopolies? <laughs> so uh, I I have a question for you, Anthony. I'm I'm really <laughs> for child labor. All right, so I'm like all for it. I want little kids to be working in coal mines. I do. I mean, right. it's cool. I mean, those little fuckers need to fucking learn how to work, right? So I'm all for that. Can you defend that position? Because, I mean, that's a, a common question. If we didn't have laws or government regulations, because there are natural laws, but if we didn't have government regulations against child labor, would it exist today? And why is this whole thing about the government actually uh, stopping it bullshit? Well, as uh, Ron Swanson said, Child labor laws are ruining this country. Interestingly enough, I have written an art article about that once uh, ch on child labor. It, it's, a myth, it's a myth that government got rid of child labor. In fact, let me see if I can get some figures here quickly. Um, by the time the labor laws were passed, almost all the children in Britain were already in school and in the US, around 90% of the child labor had been eliminated anyway. What actually happened is because of capitalism, because of the progress of industrialization, 
one person could produce the labour that of several people. So the factories were much more productive and your dad could make you enough money to feed you and send you to school, which all through history children worked. They worked in a farm. So it was actually capitalism that abolished child labour, not the government. But there's something to be said for getting work experience. I mean, people are coming out of school after you know, whatever it is, 10 to 15 years of obligatory education. That's right. That's and they can't right. even That's get right. a minimum wage job. That means the schools are failing those people. Like, I'm not saying that schools should be all about learning how to work, but that amount of time, 11 to 13 years, is enough time to become a concert pianist. It's enough time to become some of the most well-trained professions in the world. So the fact that you can come out of that without a minimum wage job and not be able to get a minimum wage job is a huge disservice. So a great way to supplement education would be to have kids go out and learn stuff on the job so that when they get out of school, they're not going to be like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm completely incompetent, not prepared to live in the real world. So yeah, um, lots of jobs that adults find boring, like making photocopies for ages or anything like that, are an absolute, or putting like, uh, when I was a kid, my dad owned a factory that made plasters and bandages and first aid kits. And I used to love going in there and counting up the plasters into 10 and putting them in a little poly pocket and putting them in the first aid kit. It was an adventure. So that's a great way of like not making adults do jobs that will make them go crazy. Why not you know, get the kids in to do mm. some, some of that kind of work and while it's still an adventure yeah. for them and they feel like really adult because they're contributing to society... One of the problems with the education system is the work isn't meaningful. It's just a worksheet. No one's ever going to read it after your teacher marks it. It's not like making a table which someone can then put their drinks on. You know, that's alienating. That is what is alienating at school. People do do work. No one ever reads it again and it gets put in the bin. Why can't they be learning from doing stuff that benefits other people so that they feel powerful, they see the effects of their actions in the world and that will inspire them long into their lives to continue to take action, to contribute because, you know, that's, most of us like want to do something that like, it's cool, like they were passionate about that affects other people. You don't, so yeah, and, and allowing children to work under the right circumstances, they're, must must be a, be good it must prepare them for life for being an mm. adult I, I know uh, my son uh, when he was he went to public school until fourth grade and uh, he came home um, well it was before the school year started back and he asked us he was like please can we homeschool so we thought about it because it was just it was joyless for him uh, he's a bright kid he was bored often and a lot of his schooling was busy work. And then they would send the busy work home and I would send it back with a note. He's not doing this. Like, this is ridiculous work. He's not you know, going to do this. So I think that that's a, a, a big point that you made, that it's just kind of soul sucking a lot of what they do in school. And they could actually be earn, you know, learning real world uh, skills that help them. Um, I started working with my mom when I was eight and I've been able to do that, uh, clean houses, which is what she did. Uh, throughout my life when I needed extra money, I could take on a client and there I go. I had skills to do that. So I think it's a great thing. Well, I, I think it's great because the kids can actually start paying rent when they're eight. And uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I say these things just to piss people sure. off. Uh, but no, you, you guys are right. I mean, it, it's, it's great. Cause I mean, my first job, I was like 15 years old 
and I worked at a Chinese restaurant as a dishwasher. And I wasn't really happy about it because I wanted to be a brain surgeon or some bullshit like that, right? So I decided I would be a dishwasher. And but guess what? It it, it taught me to show up on time. It taught you know it taught me to respect the boss because I had a girlfriend, so I wanted to like take uh, her out. And it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like I wanted to be like like I have a car. You know, like I'm cool. I'm I'm sort of cool. I have a car, but it was a shit car. But besides the point, it was still a learning experience and it gave me a good work ethic and it was a good foundation. And this is what people don't have today. And you know what pisses me off is you have motherfuckers who want to work at McDonald's, but they want to make it a, a career. Why? Why would you want to work at McDonald's and make it a career? I don't know. I think they have no hope of anything better. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. It's a school education system. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know. I don't get it. I have no idea. Somebody please tell me. I want the answer to this question. Like, I want to be. <laughs> uh, maybe they do. Maybe it's like they're fucking. Yeah. Cat, maybe it's their, like their cat's meow. I don't know. They're the uh, best McDonald's. fry maker ever. No, I agree 100%. <laughs> That's like crack cocaine. Yeah. I always tell people. I always tell people. Well, I eat, like, you know, I'm, I'm in Seattle. And so everyone's like, I eat healthy. I eat not, like seaweed and shit. I'm like, yeah. fuck. I eat fucking McDonald's. Why? Because it's good. Yeah, 19 ingredient fries are the best. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Anyway, so thank you so much for both of you being here. Uh, Sherry, anything else you want to say? Plug in your dot coms and your uh, radio station and tell us a little bit more how people can reach you. Uh, so we, like I said, we have this uh, Facebook Speaking Freely show page. Um, you can also go to, I believe it's uh, 92.3 WETR.com. It's it's something like that, a combination of it. Um, so that, oh, yes, here it is on the wall. Um, talk Radio 92.3.com. <laughs> you can go there and you can, yeah, listen, grab the app and you can listen to us. Um, we are on SoundCloud and Stitcher and some some other places that I'm not really sure of. So, and you have like a podcast too with the with the radio station. Yeah, so we I don't have my own podcast yet. That is in the works, but um, we do run the show as a podcast as well on Stitch, uh, Stitcher and SoundCloud. Bam! So awesome, Sherry. You're like awesome. Thank you so much for thank being you. here. Thank you. Thank you for like, having me. And we're gonna do the after party. So like. You guys don't leave yet. If you are a paid subscriber, you will get the after party. And so this is incentive, right? You see how you did that? See how I did that? <laughs> this is incentive. Capitalism. That's right. Evil fucking capitalist. This is incentive <laughs> for you guys to go ahead and give me five bucks a month because you know why? You can. And I deserve it because I do a good show with these fine people who I have as guests. <sighs> so anyway, so Anthony, uh, thank you so much for being here. Give it up for Anthony Samaroff here on the Launchpad. Anthony, give us your dot coms. Just go ahead and give us your book again because I'm going to forget. Actually, it's probably embedded in my memory as many times as I've said it, but go ahead. Yeah, the best way to find out where all of my media is is download my free ebook, Procrastination Annihilation, from beyourselfandloveit.com forward slash do it. All of the links to my other media are inside the book. So if you get that, you get everything. Bam. Dude. Anyway, so dude, thank you so much for being here on the Launchpad. And uh, 
rock and roll, everyone, and hope to see you next week. We got more guests coming up. It's it's gonna be fucking awesome because this is the goddamn lunch So rock and roll. See y'all next week.